0: What does it actually mean to be a bad bitch? I'm your host, Valerie Martin, and if you're asking me, it means being fully alive, unstoppable, kicking ass at the things that light you up, and being permanently unavailable for the things that make you feel like shit. Whether you're a boss bitch business owner or just someone who goes hard on your personal and professional growth, buckle the fuck up and get ready to be inspired, challenged, and take action. Let's do this, boo. Hi friends, welcome back to another episode of Bad Bitch Therapist Podcast. You will notice that my setup is different today if you are watching this on YouTube. I am recording at one of our office spaces instead of at my home office where I have my cute little background, so we're just making do for today with what we've got. And I am so excited for the guest today who is a friend colleague employee technically supervisee colleen werner who's an amazing clinician and human and i'll tell you about her more in just a moment but before we get into that of course i've got to talk about what i'm watching reading and loving recently watching party down so some of you may be longtime party down fans if not you've probably seen it coming up on hulu and stuff because it recently got a reboot after like over 10 years and it is a show that was created by Rob Thomas who also did one of my all-time favorites Veronica Mars there's a lot of cast overlap there and for some reason I guess it was because of the reboot I was like I've never watched this with my husband and anything I've seen more than like four, three years ago I've essentially forgotten so I knew that I loved it but I was like it's time for us to watch this so we're only a few episodes in but it's so so good highly recommend it. Party down. And then reading The Magic Hour by Kristen Hanna. Kristen Hanna has written a lot of well-known books like The Nightingale, which I also read, again, too long ago to remember, but I know I liked it. She wrote Firefly Lane, The Great Alone, and some others. And The Magic Hour is this fabulous story um, that involves a psychiatrist and a girl who shows up out of the woods. It is... A page turner, which, as y'all have probably heard me say, I need that in a fiction book. So proud of myself for continuing some fiction reads. And then, what I'm loving recently, y'all are going to hear me go on my tangents about different workouts that I'm liking. I love the Peloton stuff, but I do go through phases where I'm doing other things. Like I went through my, my obey phase, and now I am back to Sydney Cummings, who is an awesome trainer that puts out videos free on YouTube. She does have an optional membership that you can join to be in the facebook group and get support and go to her lives and all that but the workouts are totally free she posts a new one almost every single day and she's really strength focused so there's cardio kind of woven in but i like how focused the strength work is and it's more than i would push myself if i were just like choosing a 20-minute workout on Peloton. And when I talk about that, it's not about pushing myself out of like cruelty or that I'm trying to change my body, but really just like building, to me building the physical strength and stamina and challenging myself to do hard things there translates to feeling that way and the rest of my life. So really like Sydney, I would say it's not like, if you get into her lives if you go all in with it it's not anti-diet she's not necessarily promoting weight loss but she's not you know she will tell people to like count macros and calories if that's what they want and if they don't want it or it's not healthy then she's like don't do it so not totally aligned with my sort of anti-diet ethos but i would say not on the toxic side of things necessarily either okay That's enough for now. Let me tell you a little bit more about Colleen. Colleen Warner is a pre-licensed professional counselor, dancer, writer, yoga teacher, and content creator based in Nashville, Tennessee. She's been featured in numerous media outlets, including Yahoo, HuffPost, and Point Magazine, and has presented at numerous behavioral health conferences. Her own journey of recovering from an eating disorder and living with anxiety, depression, PTSD, and ADHD has brought her to do this work, and she is devoted to showing the power of having lived experiences as a therapist. Colleen is passionate about advocating for representation of all bodies in the media and in the dance world, as well as helping folks reconnect with movement in ways that feel joyful and life-giving. All right, my friends, let's get into this episode with Colleen Werner. Just kidding, one more thing before we jump into the episode. And rather than record again the intro that I already made, I thought I'll just add on this little piece while I'm out walking on my lunch break. And if any of you who've been following along with my podcasting stuff for a while now, will know that I used to do a lot of this, walking outside and recording, usually not on video, so my arm's gonna get tired, I'll only take a second. The thing I wanted to add though is, in just full transparency, I kind of suck at using this space to remind people like what I have to offer other than you know, what you hear in the little outro. So I just wanted to come in and just share a couple of very quick things if you're interested or might know someone who is in what I can offer with Bad Bitch Therapist coaching. So I have my six-week program called Scattered AF to Clarity and Success. And that is for busy-brained leaders and business owners who are struggling to get their shit together. So there's that program. And then also like hot off the presses, this is the first time I'm talking about it anywhere, is I'm opening up some spots for a three month program called, car going by, called 90 Day Fire. And this will be more open to kind of anyone who has a goal or two or three that you would love to make massive progress on in the next 90 days. So I'm super excited about that program wanted to share it with you here, and you can find all that at badwitchtherapist.co. Okay, now let's get into the conversation with Colleen. So here we are. Yes. We're finally doing it. Yes. Yay. I've only been saying for like two years yes. that we need to two do a <laughs> podcast. So here we yes. are. It's happening. How are you feeling?
1: Excited. Yeah. Oh, it has been a long time coming that I've wanted to do it too. So yeah, super exciting.
0: Yeah. And it's interesting. It's like, you know, I'm your boss, yeah. your supervisor. <laughs> and it's like being in the world that we're in, in like the therapy counseling world. And it's like, you know, you don't want to have dual relationships with your clients, <laughs> yes. you know? And, and it's like, yeah. So I don't know if obviously, I don't know if I'm putting you on the spot asking you about <laughs> that, but it's like, it's just, I'm like, you're a friend, yeah. you so we, I feel like we have a lot of overlapping. Oh yeah, together. for sure.
1: <laughs> no, I think it is like, I think it's such an interesting thing in our space. Cause for sure it's like with clients, nope, we don't right. want dual relationships. And I think it is also just, I mean, of course there can be those crossovers and other lines of work too, yeah. but I feel like in our space it is very different, especially cause I feel like, I mean, in a lot of ways it's. I mean, I guess, like, not everyone has those dual relationships, but I think Mm -hmm. it's more or less impossible, especially if, like, you work with similar issues or also have similar passions or, like, for both of us and, like, the content creation space Mm -hmm. and all of that that I feel like if you're someone who is a more public person as a therapist and who also has stuff aside from, like, I just see clients and this is the only work I do. But I think it's also a really cool thing. I mean, even with how I started as your intern with us being, like, online friends or acquaintances first, and I think it also is just really cool connection-wise being able to be like, okay, this isn't, like, just my boss or supervisor. Yeah. This is someone that I genuinely like as a human and enjoy spending time with, because I think also that I know many people who have situations where they either don't like their boss or supervisor mm-hmm. or whatever, or just feel very different as far as how they're aligned and things that I think it also just makes it a lot easier when there are struggles with work or whatever that pops up and cool. And we're able to just do stuff that isn't just the work stuff. Yeah. Know.
0: Yeah. It's like, you know, we'd like to think that anybody in any type of work environment is going to be like, welcomed as their whole self. Yeah. But we know that in the culture we live <laughs> yes, in, it's not necessarily not. <laughs> the case. But, yeah, in our line of work, if it's not like that, like, ooh, this is <laughs> it's not oh, good. It's yeah. so like, and people will, especially, gosh, poor people in community mental oh, health, yeah. like, you know, supervisors, bosses will kind of talk out both sides of their mouth because on one hand, they're like, practice self-care, set yeah. boundaries. But also, can you see 35 yeah, clients this week? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so yes, very exciting to be here doing this, and one of the things that I thought we could kind of start with is just a little about your story and what brought you to doing the work that you do. Yeah, so many things. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, my own
1: journey of recovery from an eating disorder and also living with depression, anxiety, PTSD, and then also... A year and a half ago I was diagnosed with ADHD ooh, all kind ooh. of brings mm-hmm. me to this space and I think of course while I would never wish those struggles on anyone I'm so grateful because I don't think I would have become a therapist without that so it was definitely I mean and of course life isn't perfect by any means now and still have those struggles but mm-hmm. I think I mean I started struggling with my body when I was super young, first dieted when I was 10, and just was in that space of struggle for so long and didn't really see a way out. Mm-hmm. Also because I didn't, like, know that it was a problem. It was just like, oh, this is just what life is. Yeah. And so for me, being able to take it where it's like, oh this thing is something that I can now use to help others. I mean, of course, not that I'm like sitting down in every session with a client being like, by the way, this I also had an eating disorder. <laughs> yeah. But it is, I think, especially because I predominantly work with clients who either have eating disorders or struggle mm-hmm. with their bodies for a variety of different reasons, being able to have that level of understanding that goes far beyond what you can learn in a book or from podcasts or whatever that it's just so different especially when clients are really struggling that of course someone can be a great clinician and work effectively with Mm -hmm. people with eating disorders without that and I think especially in those really difficult moments where some clinicians might get just super super frustrated with their clients Mm. and being like why can't you just change or like when people are like just eat or whatever Mm -hmm. that I've been in that space and I've also been in the space of when I didn't want to get better of knowing like okay like of course I don't have the same exact experience as this client but having those similar pieces and the same goes with trauma and all that, and I think, of course, it can be a struggle, too, because our own shit comes up in sessions, Mm -hmm. and I think I'm just so lucky to be in this place of being able to change that and really turn that pain into power, and kind of same goes with my social media Mm -hmm. journey, because, I mean, I initially started the Instagram I have now back in gosh like 2016 when I was like it was I think like a week before I technically started like recovery before I first (laughs) started therapy and I was just like because that whole summer just had been struggling so much and kind of coming to terms with like okay maybe this is a problem and I also aside from like honestly, like, one friend didn't feel comfortable talking to anyone in my real life about it. And so I was like, okay, maybe I can connect with some people online. And it started very small. I mean, it was never a private account, Mm -hmm. but I also wasn't just, like, telling people in my day-to-day life, hey, I started this thing. And started very surface level of, like, I went to therapy for the first time and whatever and just evolved with me through my recovery especially because at that point I had two separate accounts. I had an account where I shared my dance photos and videos and all of that and then my recovery page was separate and then over time as my recovery evolved and as my relationship with dance evolved kind of became one and then eventually was very lucky and started growing my platform a little bit and then back in I think it was April of twenty seventeen and at this at the time I think I had like either a thousand or fifteen hundred followers and I made a post calling out the dance world mm. for encouraging disordered eating, eating disorders, body image issues, and was basically like, hey this is a problem Mm -hmm. and I'm not the only one who's had this problem because while my eating disorder had many factors, my work as a dancer was a big, big piece of it. And I was like, well, hopefully some people will see this. Hopefully it'll be received well. Didn't really anticipate much to come from it, but it ended up really blowing up. Mostly people responded positively and then few days later someone I got an email from someone at Yahoo saying oh like we saw your post and we're doing a story on you can you give us some photos and quotes and I was still like okay this is cool (laughs) but like no one's going to see this it's not going to be a big thing and then they published the article and along with the article they made this video with photos and quotes of me and they ended up sharing that video on all of their social media platforms globally Mm -hmm. and it blew up and suddenly within span of a few weeks went from having that like thousand or fifteen hundred followers Mm -hmm. to having over ten thousand followers and suddenly my (laughs) story and recovery was very public Mm -hmm. and I think for a lot of people that might have been something that was not healthy for them sure but for me it was mostly the opposite because now this thing was all out in the open and I couldn't hide behind Mm -hmm. it because like My parents knew I was in therapy because they were paying for it, but they didn't know what for. Mm -hmm. They didn't know, really, that I had a clinically diagnosable eating disorder, all of that. And then suddenly it was like, oh, everyone knows about this thing, which, of course, was scary. Mm -hmm. And it was also this space of, oh, I can't hide behind this. This is a thing that's out here. People know what's going on. And also was just so lucky to then connect with more people and organizations. That's how I got connected with Project Heal, which is awesome eating disorder nonprofit and National Alliance on Mental Illness and several other organizations and that's honestly a lot of what kind of helped my trajectory to wanting to become a therapist mm-hmm. and having those connections really helped me build my platform and then be able to do this advocacy on a larger level. And of course, there unfortunately were people who had bad takes Mm. on it and said all sorts of things. But largely, it was this thing that's like, oh, now I have this community. And it's just continued to evolve, which I'm super grateful for. It's been interesting because also at that point, dance was like an even like it was just a huge part of my life was still pursuing dance. As a career, and as I evolved as a human, and as that kind of trajectory evolved, things have changed, but I think at the core, it's still about the same thing, and it's just been so cool to, especially, there are some people who have followed me from the beginning, Mm -hmm. and are still like, oh my god, I, like, followed this account when you first started it, and now... You're here and yeah, I'm just really grateful for the privilege I have with having that platform mm-hmm. and just have made some of my best friends through social media and then some of those
0: friendships have become in real life relationships yeah, too. So yeah. just really grateful. Pretty cool. Yeah, and when you reached out to me on Instagram yeah. in like 2019, yeah, cuz I didn't talk about this in the <clears throat> intro I made at that point, I was in solo practice. Yeah. And I, you're like, do you want an intern? I'm like, I don't know. Do I? And then we met, and I was like, yes, I'd like to work with you. And you know, the rest is history. Yeah. But I think, and I've told you this before, but like to your point of a person doesn't have to have struggled with something to necessarily be equipped yeah. and skilled to work with it. However, especially as at that point, you were like 23, yeah. right? And so I think having, like, the the school of hard knocks yeah. of real life experience can make it to where you are ahead of, of like, your years oh, yeah. in terms of, you know, the, the experience that you had probably... Was at the time starting out, you were as equipped to work with those issues as someone who'd maybe never struggled with it, but had been in the field for 10 yeah. years. So it's like it gives you kind of that head start in some ways. And I think that, you know, I, I sometimes give people a hard time when they go straight to grad school for counseling <laughs> and as yeah. I'm like, what kind what, of life have you lived? <laughs> but some people have lived some yeah. life by that point. And I'm yeah. like, more power to you because you have something to offer and you have experiences that you know, have really made you grapple with yourself, and you know how important that is as a therapist. Oh, yeah. No, definitely. No,
1: appreciate that for sure, and I think, yeah, it's something where I definitely grew up very young, which, I mean, of course, in a lot of ways, there are issues in itself, and also so grateful with my work with clients, because, yeah, like, right now, I'm 26, and work with clients of a variety of ages, and feel like, Luckily, as much as I, you know, wouldn't want anyone to have to go through what I went super young, it does make it where I feel like I have so much of that experience that even some of my cohort mates who were older Mm -hmm. or whatever didn't have, or people who hadn't had as many struggles as I had early, that I had that going into that. And I think also was a catalyst for me wanting to really gain that clinical knowledge in Mm -hmm. those spaces, too, because, of course, just having the lived experience isn't like, oh, suddenly now you can be a therapist for everyone. And it made it where, because I had so much of the ins and outs from my own experience, I was able to kind of dive into more advanced parts of training, because it wasn't like, okay, you need to learn what an eating disorder even is. It's like, okay, how do we look at other experiences of eating disorders and also how we work with these things clinically mm-hmm. versus just, okay, you need to like
0: have the basic one-on-one of what this even is. Right. Exactly. So, so you started your platform sort of accidentally became yeah. a public kind of <laughs> yes. story and, and then used that platform for your advocacy yeah. built relationships and then truly, you know, became a content creator. And I'd love to hear kind of about that part of your story because I think it's like, it's really fun. There's aspects of creating content that is really fun. And then also because you developed that skill set, like not everyone who has an opportunity, has a viral moment is going to necessarily be able to make that an ongoing thing because they don't necessarily... Develop the skills to like create stuff that people enjoy. So, you learned how to do that and you brought your personality to that and know how to create, you know, beautiful graphics (laughs) and all that kind of stuff. So, then you then leverage that to like put yourself through grad school, right? Of doing that for other therapists because you've done it for yourself in the mental health space. And yet, even though it's fun and creative, I'm also curious about like the grind of. Like, okay, I've been doing this for this many years, what is there to say? <laughs> oh, yeah,
1: no, I think it's definitely been a very interesting journey, especially, yeah, the piece you said with that was going through grad school and the tail, also the tail end of undergrad. That was my job, freelance social media manager for therapists, and I think it's something that I'm so grateful for and also grateful that that was something that I was able to do through grad school because it was so flexible Mm -hmm. and also especially a piece of what do I even say that that was a really hard piece Mm -hmm. with working with so many different therapists especially because a lot of the practices I was working with were practices that predominantly worked with people struggling with eating disorders or body liberation things like that, that there's only so many ways you can say things. I mean, of course, was tailoring the voice to be for these different practices, but also there's only so much you can change in your writing, so many different ways you can say things, and so many times I was like, okay I said this on this page (laughs) this week but I have to make like just (laughs) all of the different things and even with like making graphics and things because some people's like brand colors and things are very similar Mm -hmm. and so I think especially towards the end of my time spending so much of like that being my main work I was feeling super burnt out Mm -hmm. because especially some of the clients I worked with for like two plus years and I'm like How do I, I can only recycle this so many times. Mm. And and I mean, of course, there are different, like, timely issues and things that pop up. But there was only so much. And I think also, I think it's different when you start doing something for fun and when you're doing Mm. it for fun versus when it is your job. And also when there is this very real piece of, like, okay, this thing pays my bills. Yeah. And the piece, which, I mean, I'm sure you know with... Being self-employed and everything that if you're not working, you're not making money. And also in the social media space, while I definitely tried to stay on top of, like, having posts scheduled out for a week to two weeks at a time and whatever, still there were times where I got sick and it was, like okay, now I'm behind on this, or if there was a time where I hadn't scheduled ahead that I'm having to scramble or Mm -hmm. text or email the client to be like, hey, by the way, I'm sick. Your stuff isn't going to get up and then having to deal with that. Or when there are really big, timely things that happen and suddenly, okay, now we have to pivot our content and I'm pivoting this for like five or six different accounts Mm -hmm. that that is really difficult and I think also with my own individual work as a content creator it's something I grapple with a lot because I have had my page since Mm -hmm. end of 2016 and of course as things have evolved there are different things I talk about right and it also can kind of feel tired and old sometimes of there's only so many ways I can say you know this is where I'm at now with my body and this is where it was in the past and I think that's also why I'm really proud and grateful that I have leaned into diversifying my feed, which I think is something that a lot of my followers, audience, whatever you want to call Mm -hmm. it, like. And there are some people that are like, you know what? I followed you for recovery and body acceptance. Why are you talking about about sex? No, exactly. (laughs) Or even like aptly fitting as I'm wearing my (laughs) Harry's house crew neck that I like within the past year, started posting more stuff related to Harry Styles. And some people are like, this is turning into a fan page. I didn't follow you for this. And it's like, sorry, but, like, exactly, like, <laughs> I am not a robot who is yeah. only going to post about how I hated my body and now accept my body or, like, mental health or being a therapist 24-7, because yeah. that's, like, also not who I am 24-7, yeah. which anyone who knows me in my day-to-day life that, of course... Yeah, being a therapist is my full-time work, and I absolutely love that. And my own recovery is still part of my journey, but it's Mm -hmm. not the same as six, seven years ago. And I think also the people, like, at the core, like, my page is about being my most authentic self. It's not just Mm -hmm. about talking about these struggles. It's like, hey, here are all of these different things in my life. And I think that's been really helpful for not feeling as burnt out because it's, like... I have all of these different things I talk about versus just, okay, how
0: many different ways can I say something about body Mm -hmm. image? Right, exactly. And, you know, again, one of the unique things about being in the space that we're in doing therapy is, like, where the ethics codes don't know what to do with (laughs) all the social media stuff, all the things of the fact that therapists can also be sort of public figures or have a public persona, and so, you know, we've talked a lot about that in terms of like the way that I view it at the oh, yeah. most simplistic way is like if I'm sharing something on a public Instagram, yeah. I just have to assume that some <laughs> of my clients might yes. see it, right? So I will not share something in that space oh, yeah. that I'm not comfortable and exactly. I know you take the same kind of approach. But beyond that, it's like you know, and and I, everyone's entitled to their own. Some people just hate social media in general, or some people are like, no, if I'm going to do it for related to my business, it's going to be completely separate from my personal feed. Cool. Like, do you, right? But, but, you know, we we're kind of on the same page in terms of like, I don't want to be siloed into work and life. Now the DIA Center has its own account because it's more than me or you or it's all of us. Yeah. But yeah, it's, It's just such an interesting thing that our field is grappling with, and and it brings up unique challenges at some point, so. Definitely. Mm -hmm. So I have a a little segment in the show every time called Go Off. What would you like to go off about, Colleen?
1: feel like there are so many
0: things (laughs) I could go off about but I
1: think one that I feel like has come up so much I mean just conversations in my day-to-day life and with friends and also with clients and I'm sure isn't A surprise to basically anyone that, I mean, of course, the thin ideal has always been super prevalent in our Mm -hmm. world, and it's not like it's totally left the media, but at least over the past few years, there has been... Some amount of expansion in diversity and conversations about bodies, and yeah, also yeah. with style trends, things like that. I mean, of course, by no way saying that it was suddenly yeah, magically but fixed, it was changing, but it, it was, was changing, evolution. and that was more yeah. of that conversation. And with like people like Lizzo mm-hmm. and all these different things, and now so many headlines that have come around in the past few months as far as heroin chic and like. Thin being back in and like low rise everything and whatever and I think it's just like especially the heroin chic phrasing. I have not heard this coming
0: back. This is yes,
1: and it it was just like is is this really what we're saying? Like it's just not like like literally. It's just so I think it's so hard seeing honestly a really strong pivot back Mm -hmm. to kind of early two thousands languaging around that and I think especially for me because that's when I was really vulnerable and growing up that that was seeing so much of just the way we're talking about bodies really really strongly going back there because of course those conversations have continued to be there but also as far as like clothing retailers like Old Navy had brought I believe it was up to size 30 in-store they Mm -hmm. had for at least a year, and now they've taken that away where Mm. it's things were only online and things like that. And and the same thing with, I mean, of course, if you want to wear low-rise jeans, please wear your (laughs) low-rise jeans. But when I'm going shopping in a store and I'm seeing, okay, five of their styles are low-rise and I find my one pair of high-rise jeans because I'm like, I just don't care to wear Mm low-rise jeans. It's not like... Oh, me wearing low-rise jeans would mean I'm, like, Um, bad as a person or whatever. It's just, like, I like my high-rise jeans and I'm going to keep them. And I think it's just also, I think, so hard with social media to, I mean, of course, as a content creator, I'm really grateful for social media and these pieces, especially with these conversations around bodies. It's so hard seeing this for kids and teens, too, because Mm -hmm. that's so much of what I see, I feel like especially on TikTok, but also Instagram, but just these things about striving to be that small and commenting on people's photos Mm. of, like, skinny legend and whatever, Mm -hmm. and I think it's just so hard seeing that being even more prevalent when It felt like we were at least going... We were going in the right direction, even though we definitely weren't there. Right. And then seeing this slide back, and especially, like, the whole Ozempic and Manjaro thing. And, I mean, of course, medications have different places and different circumstances. Mm -hmm. And when this is suddenly, like, every celebrity is doing this, and it's just the new... There's always something new, but I think, especially for... The most vulnerable, it's just seeing so much of what I was exposed to super young Mm -hmm. and just so sad and so frustrating to see this. And especially, it's like we know the research and the knowledge is there to show that this isn't helpful. And also, of course, there are people whose bodies naturally are thin and that's completely healthy for them. And also, knowing that that's not something that's attainable or healthy for everyone. And it's like we're once again going back to this.
0: Ideal. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. It's, like, almost like with any revolution, mm-hmm. there's going to be a backlash. Oh, yes. Right? <laughs> like, I think of the, what's been referred to as sort of the, the white lash, the post-Obama, oh, yeah. you know, Trump coming in. Definitely. And just all the racism back out yeah. in public. Exactly. At least we kept It's it not just ground. the quiet thoughts anymore. Oh, <laughs> my God. Yeah. So, it's like every revolution is probably going to have that oh, to some yeah. extent, but it's still... You said it's sad, especially seeing people who are so impressionable that, you know, getting these messages that are literal lies, that if you just try hard enough, you can absolutely control the shape and size of your body. That's the thing that's like so infuriating to me is this pervasive message that just try harder and you can look like this. And some people can't and don't have to try that hard. Or they go to the gym a few times a week and they can look like that. Some people have to literally starve themselves to look like that. So, ugh yeah and also with body image stuff i mean you've talked some about how like your body has changed as as anybody will through seasons or for various reasons could be medication wise like whatever there's there's variables that impact yeah. and change our bodies and so it's interesting like when you have been like oh like this is me i'm in a larger body yeah and then not trying to lose weight and losing yeah. weight and like seeing how that oh, yeah. is received by your yeah. following
1: yeah no it's been really honestly a mind fuck is the word yeah. i keep using because it is And I think especially as a therapist and someone who is very public, it's something, like, especially when my body had started changing a few months ago and was talking to my own therapist about it, as as it is one of my biggest fears, I was like, what if people online do start commenting about Mm -hmm. it? What if clients start saying Mm -hmm. something and it's just, like, I'm not doing anything to intentionally change my body and just, like my body changed in recovery. It's like it continues because our bodies evolve and I think it is something, I mean, it's hard enough to grapple with in my own brain because Mm -hmm. of my eating disorder past and because of all of that. And I think being in the online space that I'm grateful that largely and also in my day-to-day life, largely people haven't said too much about it, but that I have had comments. And it's really hard because I'm also not going to be like, oh, I'm going to lie and say that nothing has changed when, yeah, things have changed. And I think it is a really tricky spot I'm in where some people, like, let's say if someone wasn't a therapist or whatever, might make that more of what they're talking about in their content. And I think for me... I've tried to be super, super mindful of, okay, just like we said earlier, where I have to assume that a client may Mm -hmm. see whatever post, and I think it is this really, and actually had a conversation last week with my therapist, that it's this tricky space in the health at every size, body liberation, Mm -hmm. intuitive eating spaces, where it's just, like, bodies can get larger naturally, bodies can get smaller, and I think it's something that is... (sighs) really tricky to be like, okay, I think also this identity piece that for me, too, that I think so much of, like, in the past had, like, let's say my bio or my Instagram profile or whatever had, like, plus-size blogger or whatever Mm -hmm. that I think just as it's easy to over-identify with being in a smaller body or Mm over-identify with being in recovery or whatever, I think it's easy to over-identify in the same way with whatever type of body you Mm -hmm. have. And I think for me, as I moved away from that, even before my body had changed, I think that's something that it's hard with the identity piece or even with things I post that sometimes people assume... Oh, well, if you're sharing where you got some piece of clothing, it has to be, if you're posting something, it has to be that it's accessible to everyone. And, like, of Mm -hmm. course, I try to make a point to share brands and promote brands that are accessible and also, like, sorry, but I'm not going to buy every piece of clothing based off of every person being able to purchase it. And I think also knowing that my body and what it does is mine and... Of course, not that we want to be, like, creating a space that's intentionally triggering or Mm -hmm. whatever. And it's also, like, our own shit is our responsibility. It's not my fault or really my problem if my body changing. Back to you, I mean, of course, if it's something, like, it's not something I have come up with clients yet. But if it was something, like, of course, that's very different than just a random person online seeing it. But... I think it is just so, it's so interesting to navigate. And I think also has shown me really the privilege and access piece because in reality, I have been able to access more things. I've been able to access more clothing and things. And I think it's made me even more mad at the system because I mean, of course, I knew that piece because of times where I wasn't able to access that. And I think seeing it in an even more real way I think it is, it just amplifies these issues with the system of like, oh, my body changed a bit and suddenly the world is treating me yes. better because of this and it's really infuriating and also, I think, can bring up anxiety for because, of course, our bodies change. My body could change yeah. in a few weeks, months, a year, mm-hmm. and it, I think, is really tricky with I'm very grateful, the p- place I'm at in my recovery where it's something where I'm super aware of different triggers and things to look out for for myself and have my own therapist and have my mm-hmm. amazing boyfriend and coworkers and all that. And I think it is something I've had to be so hyper aware of in my brain of like, okay, we need to be viewing this in a neutral way, mm-hmm. not in the same way as back when I was super sick when I was young yeah. of like, oh, this is some achievement. This is a wonderful keep thing. Keep going. It's <laughs> like, Well, my body is going to do what it wants Mm -hmm. to do and making sure I'm taking care of my body in the process. But, yeah, it is something I think that's super, yeah, I think it's super tricky to navigate. And I'm lucky that basically everybody in my real life has been very understanding. But, yeah, it is such a strange place to be in, especially because not many people talk about it especially because I think it's something that at least talking about it in the framing I am yeah I think a lot of times it will be in the like weight loss journey space of like oh I had this body and I had this body Mm -hmm. and for me it's like oh what is it like to navigate this with neutrality versus like I'm doing a progress photo thing or Mm -hmm. I'm dieting or I'm going to the gym five times a week Mm -hmm. it's just my body just decided to do (laughs) this.
0: Okay. This is what we have. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Last question, because I know that some people listening are also either already content creators or perhaps aspiring content creators, whether it's for a business or just for fun. So I'm sure you get asked a lot, like, how do I build my following? <laughs> but if if you were just to kind of give like your few go-to, like here are the things to focus on to yeah. get, like even if you're starting from scratch, here are the most important things, what would you say?
1: Yeah. Biggest piece I think is community and your audience. I mean, of course, I think first and foremost, I mean, of course this depends also on if you're more of an individual or a business. I think, yes, you should be making content for yourself, And I think within that, for me, so much of what has fueled me to keep doing what I do is the community I Mm -hmm. built. It's seeing, oh, these same people comment on my posts or these people have been here for six years, seven years Mm -hmm. on my page. So I think really focusing on building the community that you do have of like, oh, here's like some things people are asking for or just like engaging with people in your comments and messages. I mean, of course, like it's impossible to reply to every comment or DM or whatever, but I think focusing on that and also building community and engaging with other pages, I mean, like I said earlier, that's how I've met some of my best friends is through social media and connections, so following and engaging with accounts that are in similar spaces or can be in spaces that aren't similar but that you resonate with, Mm -hmm. and I think that's the biggest thing because of then if we are looking at metrics or whatever mm. engagement is a really big thing especially if you're someone who maybe does want to work with brands mm. that that's i mean really a metric that's taken into account most and is also with the elusive algorithm and mm. all that that engagement really matters and i think also just feels good for you putting content out there of like mm. oh people are responding to this, and also that other people, when you engage with their content, it's the same thing, so I think, and also, there have been times where I've been really lucky to connect with creators who are much larger than me, who I then have been able to make friends with and be like, oh, we can talk about this, and Mm. they're able to share some of that, so I think that's a big piece, um, I think another piece is really just kind of going back to the doing it for yourself that mm. I think if we're constantly trying to please everyone else or just trying to be okay, I need to listen to every single thing my followers want or I need to only post based on what these people seem to be wanting when I think will go viral exactly which I think it's like of course it's great when those posts yeah. go viral or of course like, I love when someone is like, hey, can you write a post about this? And sometimes yeah. I do. And at the end of the day, you're going to burn out real fast mm-hmm. if you're just, just like anything else in our life. If you're trying to please <laughs> everyone else and you're not doing it for yourself, it becomes feeling like a chore. Yeah. And so I think when it's just going back to, okay, this is something I want to post about. And, of course, that can change if it's
0: a business right. or whatever.
1: And I think still, even if it is business-oriented content, it's like you have this business for a reason, and why are you here? Why are you doing that? So I think, yeah, those are two of the biggest things.
0: Awesome. And I know that it'll vary by industry, but even among business accounts, it's like, you know, the younger generations of people who are using these platforms we want to see the humans exactly. behind it, you know? Like, we love a brand that's being hilarious oh, on yeah. Twitter. Oh, right? yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, it's so, or in the comments. Yeah. Like, I like,
1: especially in my fangirl space, it's so, like, I absolutely love, like, there have been things as far as, like, iHeartRadio, whoever their social media manager is, <laughs> I love it, just the way they go and comment on artists' pages cool. and things, and it's just so, I think, when we see that, like when you see the stuff behind the brand, that it's just something it makes or the company or whatever, Mm -hmm. at least for me, it makes it where it's like, oh, I actually want to engage with them because I know this is a real person. It's not just, oh, this is a robot posting this content. Right, exactly.
0: Cool. Well, it'll be in the show notes, but tell people where they can find you online and if they can work with you and how.
1: Yeah, so... As far as online, best way to follow along my journey is Instagram. My Instagram is at Colleen M. Werner. I'm also on TikTok, so there, and it's the same username. And then as far as if someone wants to work with me in a therapy capacity here at the Gaia Center, which is if you live in Tennessee, can do therapy in person here in Nashville or online. And I'm sure we'll put the Gaia Center website yes. in my all of that in the notes. And then I guess along with that, if it was something where with a speaking situation or workshop or whatever, my website, my personal website is ColleenMWerner.com. So that's good space for all that.
0: Awesome. Well, this was so much fun. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Hell yeah, friend, you made it to the end. I so appreciate you tuning in. And if you enjoyed this episode, make my day by subscribing and leaving a five-star review to help other people find this podcast. If you haven't already, make sure to grab my free video training on how to get shit done toward your high-priority goals without getting distracted or stuck by ADHD or squirrel brain. Just head to badbitchtherapist.co slash 3tips. That's dot co slash the number three tips. You can follow my antics on TikTok at Bad Bitch Therapist and on Instagram at the same but with dots between the words. Thanks so much for being here. Now go out there and have a great fucking day.